A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Kaita fakaronga mai kwekito tato al hori hori. He hotaka e paniki a papatua nuku, tangaroa, merangi nui. You're with our changing world on RNZ National. And now, better plastics. Sally Brooker is a chemistry professor at the University of Otago. One of her research interests is switchable molecules that could be used, for example, as tiny memory components in computing. More recently, though, she's been collaborating with British scientists on developing catalysts that could be used to create eco-friendly bioplastics from corn. I'm off to visit Sally in her lab, but on the way there, we make a couple of detours. Now, you've just offered me a tour of some of your bits of interesting yeah. kits, so how could I say no to that? <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots of toys. There's a robot working over in the corner there. It's just changing a sample. See, it's got little fingers there. It's going to come across, and it's going to pick up one of these tubes. No, we've missed that. Sorry, it's already done that. And now it's running something called an NMR spectrum. And what that tells us about is the structure of our compound, so um, how the atoms are arranged in our molecule, and whether or not that's what we predicted. So we now have a good idea of what the picture that comes out of that machine should look like and we can compare it with what we get and go ooh uh, yeah that's not quite what we thought something else has happened or it's not quite clean there's a bit of another set of signals in there that shouldn't be there so we might have to purify the compound a bit you know it's a bit of a messy mixture so it's a really important technique. You're designing things and then making them. That's Is that right. what happens? And, and the key part for us we're what we call coordination chemists so we put metals with organic fluff the organic chemists hate me calling it fluff, but anyway. And it's the organic fluff that we put in here to see that we've actually got the, the design that we want in that fluff because the structure of that organic stuff is really important to the function of the metal. But, you know, we have to do several steps of synthesis, of cooking, you know, cook something up, isolate the material, check whether it's what you wanted or not in this instrument. If it is, you can go on to the next step, make the next tweak because you build this fluff up in a series of steps so you can get the structure and the shape of it that you need. So it's a bit like making a recipe and then checking it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's like you have to test the cake at each step, little bite. And, and just like in cooking, you can burn it too. I mean, you can have things that just completely don't work, which is the equivalent of a burnt cake, basically. That's science, though. It is. It is. It's, I mean, most things don't work when you try them. So the door says X-ray suite. It is, but it's more than X-ray now. We've got lots of toys in here. Now this is my super exciting room because this machine here is an X-ray diffractometer and it works out for us where the atoms in our molecule are in space. So we actually get a three-dimensional picture of our molecule with this technique. We have to do quite a bit of work with the raw data that comes out of the machine like you always do, but you actually see this, the atoms in space in 3D. It's just brilliant. You can turn your molecule round and you can see, you know, is it twisted or flat there? And is this in the plane of that? Or is there, you know, lots of detail. And um, for metal complexes, you also get metal to, to nitrogen uh, distances. So ha- the, the actual bonding and angles, you know, the bonding of the metal ion, which is critical to its properties, you find out all the details from this guy. Really, really important. Now looking through the little window, it almost looks yep. like it's got um, dry ice smoking away That's in correct. It. it happens to be um, liquid nitrogen boil-off, so um, these big dewars here um, have liquid nitrogen in it, which is really cold, um, but it's just the boil-off of that, and so the crystal is kept at about 100 Kelvin, so very cold. 
Um, that stops the at- atoms wiggling around too much. We don't like them wiggling around. We like them to stay as still as possible. If they move around, it wiggles, and the whole thing wiggles, and the and the pattern gets washed out a little bit. So keeping them cold is great for the best data. Now, as I say, we normally run at uh, 100 Kelvin, but we can choose the temperature. If we want to run this at room temperature, we can, and let the atoms wiggle a bit more. And that can be important for our switchable molecules. We do switchable spin crossover sorts of molecules. So you can do a structure at room temperature where it's in one state and then cool it down and you get the other state and you get the structural detail for both. So it's really powerful. Why do you want something that switches states? Um, that hooks into my interest in um, nano memory, so replacing like silicon chip type devices, which we're do- using at the moment and making smaller and smaller circuits on replacing those with molecular-sized memory components, so way smaller, and then assembling those into something more like a brain. I think we're going to try and talk about polymers today, aren't we? We are. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. (laughs) So inside a very busy lab. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, We do a lot of synthesis, so that typical image you would have in your mind of what a chemistry lab looks like, this is pretty much what it would look like. Flasks and columns and test tubes and things spinning. Lots of pretty shapes. We can just go around here, we'll have a look at this fluorescence testing. See the colour there? Under UV irradiation, it it, uh, glows in the dark, so you get that lovely blue fluorescence. Um, And you can see that at nanomolar, so that's 10 to the minus 9. It's very, very dilute uh, concentration. So we've named them primarily to be polymerisation catalysts, um, but this guy has this added bonus of being strongly fluorescent and specific too for zinc, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so it's always you know, an exciting surprise that pops up in science every now and again. You, know, you make it for one job and lo and behold it does something else extra, which is particularly fluorescence, which is always a nice pretty colour and so on, which makes things a bit more exciting. And the fact that it's um, selective for zinc and is so sensitive that you can see the fluorescence at such low concentrations means that it could be a detector for zinc. And zinc's very important in the body, for example, so you could imagine applications coming out of that. Whether we'll pursue those is another matter, but because it's primarily being made for testing as a catalyst, because we've got these really active catalysts for polymerising, we're making, putting lots of building blocks together to make plastic. So Hannah over here is also trying to improve on her um, first-generation catalysts, and we've got a reaction going on in here, haven't we, Hannah, that's uh, one of those possibilities? Yeah, hopefully. This new reaction here, which is a lovely green colour, is making an, a variation on our original um, catalyst where we're changing the amount of folding. They're just a little subtle dish, difference to the, to the big um, bit of ligand fluff that I was talking about before, and that could have big implications for the metal inside in terms of its ability to catalyse these reactions. OK, so let's break this down really simply for me. So we're trying to make a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a catalyst... Hopefully with the polymerisation of uh, lactide or with uh, carbon dioxide and epoxides. The lactide comes from corn, which New Zealand grows megatons of per annum. We then make the polymer, which is just like putting lots of little Lego building blocks into a great big chain, uh, and that's your plastic. And then the uh, beauty of the plastic is it's biodegradable again, so it can be composted. You know, uh, just put it in your compost heap, turn it back into something that you can put on your corn to grow the next crop. Why aren't we doing this already? Is it tricky to do? It's tricky to get the process as efficient as the current petrochemical process that have been going on for decades. So the key is to make it cheap, efficient and industrially viable. But the world absolutely loves plastics. What is it, about 300 megatons of plastics a year? um, Which is about 8% of the the world's oil reserves used either as the building blocks or to power the plants. 8% of the oil use per annum. It's huge and you've got plastic waste everywhere as well. So 
I think if we can go from a biomass material that's then biodegradable, New Zealand should be well positioned to make the most of this, right? We grow a massive amount of corn and of wheat, both of which are good for lactide. Uh, but we're interested in pl- um, making polymers or plastics out of other building blocks as well. Um, but that's one of the ones that we're very interested in. And Hannah's um, been involved in a lovely um, high-impact paper um, with our collaborators in the UK. Um, where We've had absolutely amazing activity for one of these zinc catalysts that um, Hannah's been involved with. So we've started out with a bit of a, a hot hot uh, result and now we're trying to top that with some of these variations that she's busy working on here and, and also Stuart is working on as well. So what do your collaborators in the UK do? What, what's their part of the process compared to what's your part of the process? They're absolutely the experts in polymerisation. We're great at the design of this organic fluff to hold our metals the way we need to hold it and we've come up with a completely new system from the ones they've been studying and they do all the testing. What's the metal in this? We're looking at zinc. Uh, zinc's very earth abundant, so it's cheap and easy to get and non-toxic. Uh, it's not coloured, like a lot of transition metals are highly coloured, and that can come through in trace amounts in the polymer, and often people want a clear translucent polymer. Is it easy to work with? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having my issues at the moment. Yeah, When we send uh, the organic fluff over to the collaborators in the UK, they use quite harsh environments to get the zinc inside so at the moment I'm kind of working on more gentle methods and it's trying but I'm sure we'll get there soon enough. Again this depends a bit on the organic fluff so the the systems that Hannah's got here, um, it seems to be a bit harder to get the zinc into those and we've we've got a bit of experience with that now Um, but we made a a change to the organic fluff which is what Stuart's been working on and he has got zinc in reasonably readily so it's so dependent on the system but of course that doesn't make it a better catalyst it may be that the one that's hard to get the metal in is going to be the better catalyst you don't know until you try them right So what excites you about this project? The applications, how you can really see how it could make a change in the world and I really like making macrocyclic ligands (laughs) Macrocyclic, explain that to me if we talk about our organic fluff, it's like a, a big circle, kind of cyclic shape, that captures the metals nice and snugly inside. The fact that it, the metals are sitting in a ring makes them nice and stable, a bit like for haemoglobin, you've got iron sitting in a porphyrin ring. It floats around carrying oxygen around your body. It's a nice stable system because it's in a ring, so you have more control as well as greater stability. So these are definitely... A, positive for us in terms of um, making good polymerisation catalysts. Just picking up on your Lego analogy, which is working for me visually, so I can imagine putting together a whole lot of Lego blocks, but you can put them together in all sorts of Mm -hmm. different shapes, like you could just make a long line, you've talked about circles. What impact does the shape that you're working with have? The shape and the length of your Lego structure. Even a subtle change can have quite a big impact on your end product, so it can influence whether this the, the end product is, say, see-through or, or a white, cloudy kind of colour, how bendy it is. Often different applications, you want different rigidity. So how many experiments have you done? How many of these have you tried? Just counting up in my lab book, uh, I'm up to setting up 351 right now. So do you keep generating different variations and going, OK, this is what this one does, this is, you know, if I change this little aspect of it, this is what happens to it? Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Essentially, yeah, just trying uh, new designs and then seeing what they do because we can't 
predict entirely what they're going to do and it's always exciting to see. There are polymers of this type being made already industrially but only on a very small scale and it's that thing that if we can make the process a lot more efficient and perhaps also if we can control the details of, of how the building blocks are assembled to give us different types of plastics rather than just one bog standard one. You know, if you can make a range, that means you'll have a range of properties so they can be applied to different uses. And so there are a lot of reasons to, to try and do better than we've got at the moment. That was Sally Brooker from the Department of Chemistry at the University of Otago and the McDiamond Institute. And in 2015, she was awarded the university's Distinguished Research Medal. We also heard from PhD student Hannah Davidson, and if you'd like to find out more and see Hannah's claymation video about her research, then head along to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Don't forget we're RNZ Science on Twitter and Facebook, and our email address is ourchangingworld at radionz.co.nz.